Today, we're going to learn Parshat Lech Lecha. But what we're really going to learn is about the name of the Parshas. Hasidus says that the name of a Parsha has a message. The name of everything is a message. When, when Adam gave names to, to, you know that Adam gave names to everything that was created in the world, because he, he was in tuned to the spiritual connection of this creation, and he knew what's the right name to give him. Because the name in Judaism represents everything about the person or the thing, as we see many times. Then the question is, the name of the Parshas, we don't know, it's not, we don't know officially who gave the name to every Parsha. Bereshit, Noach, Lech Lecha, which word was chosen and why? But it's already for a thousand years the Jewish people use this name. For a thousand years for sure, and it's probably two thousand or three thousand years. Thousand years we have uh, Maimonides in his book, he writes the name of the Parshas. Maimonides lived almost uh, 900 years ago. Rashi before that writes it. Then it's already there for close to a thousand years. The names of the Parshas have a message, and that's what we are trying to. The Rebbe was very big in names. And he, when he saw a person, he used to, by his name, he said what, 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 was, his, what, what was his mission in, the, in his life. The same thing, the name of the Parsha is the mission of the week. The name, the name of the Parsha is to summarize everything that's in the Parsha. What's the message of the Parsha? That's what we're going to learn today. Okay, start. The name of the Parsha expresses its content, the Rebbe. The name of the Parsha is not coincidental. Rather, it completely encapsulates the idea of the entire Parsha. The names of the Torah portions aren't spelled out definitively in the Talmud. Nevertheless, we have explained many times that the very fact that the names of the Torah portions have been accepted by Jews for over a hundred years, at least, is sufficient It's to a mistake. should be a thousand years. Uh, at least is sufficient oh to establish that they are Torah-ordained names. <clears throat> this point can be derived from a fortiori argument. The law regarding people's... Is that right? Fortiori? For, for the, 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 I don't know that word. <laughs> for sure. A priori is something that's used uh, a lot. I don't, but I don't, I don't know. know. We don't have any lawyers here? No? Okay. Uh, the law regarding people's names is that once a name has been accepted for more than 30 days, this becomes a person's legal name. See, Jewish law says, let's say somebody comes to me and tells me, I want to change my name before I get married. I have, I have cases like this a lot. People gave their kids names, or the rabbis who gave them, to told them the names were such ridiculous names. Hmm. And they are embarrassed with these evil names that they have. They want to change the name. By Jewish law, you can add a name, you can change a name. You are in charge of your name. It's yours. It's not encouraged. We're not running around and changing names. Usually I tell people to add a name. But the name, well, what makes to make a name? Let's say we make a Mishabeirach by the Torah. We give a name name. For 30 days, you have, to use it, you have to use it a lot. It should be permanent. After 30 days, it becomes your name. If it's used for 30 days, it becomes your name. Let me change your name for luck, too. If, if you, got you add a name. Again, the same idea. If somebody is sick, you add the name Chaim. Chaim means life. Things like this. Raphael means cure. Refua. Then we, we, that's a common. It's pretty common. Then Jewish law says if it's 30 days, then you have to write a ktuba with a new name. Then if 30 days is enough for a name to, ever, to be powerful, how much more the names of the parshas of our thousand years? That's what the Rebbe is saying. Continue. 
This is then certainly all the more true regarding the names of the Torah portions, which have been accepted for many hundreds of years already, including by the greatest Torah scholars and teachers. They certainly have the states of Torah ordained names. I mean, everything we look on Ashgahapatit. Ashgahapatit means divine providence. If Jewish people for thousands of years or a thousand years call the Parshas in this name, must be it as a message. Impossible. Because if God made it in this way, there's a message. It is therefore clear that the essential content of the Torah portion is alluded to in its Torah-ordained name. This is true even if we accept that the names were originally given simply because they are the words that open the Torah portion. Because in practice, they are Torah-ordained names used for the entire Torah portion. Torah matters cannot possibly be ascribed to chance, because even worldly matters cannot be ascribed to mere chance. It is therefore clear that the name of the Torah portion incorporates all of its contents. Must be that there is a message and incorporates, includes as a message of the whole parsha. Where is Duplik? Actually, very late yesterday, I texted him and he gave me thumbs up. So maybe, maybe he thinks it's a sign, Terry. I don't know. Maybe. I told him, I put in nine, but maybe overslept. Hmm? Wake him up, wake him up. Is that is the thing still in the door there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I saw the doorman. He, he told us to go through. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. No, he's asking if the door is it's open. A, yeah. The, okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Say it. If you find, it, you will find us. Okay. We're going to uh, B. What's what's the message? We're going to start to learn now about Bereshit, the name of the parsha. Go ahead. Go ahead. The first word? Yeah. No. It's you, many times it's the first word. It's the first phrase, right? It's first phrase, the first verse in the first verse, somewhere in the first verse. But there is proven that the word that they chose in the first verse, you see it as a message because the same word was not chosen in a different parasha. And when you compare one thing to another, you see that it was an intentional, it was an agenda. It was not just, oh, let's call it the first word, we'll call it the first name. And even when it's the first word, and God put it in this way, must be there is a message. Question: How about the uh, name of the the um, five books, separate books? Were, are these books obviously assigned or not? Obviously, it's from 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 this, even more. Bereishish, Mot, Vayikra, Bamid, Badvarim, Show. For example, the book of Shmot starts with the Eile Shmot, and they choose the, the second word Shmot. Could, you could say Eile. Sure, it's not the same, doesn't define like a Shmot. What I mean to say is um, the, na- the, name, uh, the name is chosen purposely, and because it's being used in such a way, it must be that there is a reason, there is a message. That's, that's, that's how Judaism looks and everything. Even if the name of America, if you say it's called the United States, there is a message. How much more something in the Torah itself? I remember you were talking to the kids one time when Jake was here in bed, and uh, that was the that was the message. Like every single thing has a message. Exactly. Every name, every word, like all of it is a mess. Is a message. You're right. How much more something from the Torah itself? Go ahead. Gracious, don't get stuck in the past. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the Rebbe, I'm not worthy yet. When we are told that we need to study the daily Chitat. 
Torah, Tehillim, and Tanya. Okay, there is something that by Chabad we learn, we study every day. Uh, the Parsha from the week, for example. This is the, we're starting Parshat Lech Lecha. This Shabbos is going to learn Parshat Lech Lecha. Then we learn the first day, we learn, you know, it's seven aliyahs. Every Parsha is divided into seven aliyahs. That on Sunday, I will learn from Rishon to Shani, the first aliyah. On Monday, I learn the second aliyah. On Tuesday, by the time Shabbos comes, I already covered all of the whole Parsha with Rashi, with commentary. Then we have the, the Tilim, the Book of Psalms, is divided into 30 days for the month. Then over a month, I covered the whole, the whole book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is 150 chapters. You more or less read every, week, every day five chapters, more or less. Then there is the Tanya, there's a Bible of Chabad, of Hasidus. This week, it's divided for the year. Then we learn over a year, we learn every day, we learn a, a, a piece, a part. Over the year, we cover everything. We learn many more things. That's, that's only just the beginning. <laughs> this is what is, that's called chitas. Well, for whatever reason, we will not get, to, get into it. Go ahead. Uh, so uh, when we are told that we need to study the daily chitat, Torah, Tehillim, and Tanya study portions, engage in the mitzvahim campaigns to spread mitzvah, servants, etc., the wily negative inclination can argue that considering our current personal state, it is improper for us to occupy ourselves in such sublime pursuits. First of all, we must repent for our sins. I you know, understand. A person says, you know, you have to, you have to do A, B, and C, and D. He said, oh, I'm so bad. I first have to fix my past. I'm not yet done with my past. How can I start something new? How can I be, uh, consider myself a holy man and expect for myself more things? I'm so bad. It's another way for the evil inclination to convince you so, Ati, are you what? You okay? Hmm. It's the evil inclination, the evil inclination for us to convince us not to do the right thing. We tell ourselves, who am I to, to, to do this mitzvah? I'm such a bad Jew, so to speak. Meanwhile, what is the evil inclination doing? You do one thing less. You understand? That's the problem. Continue. The negative inclination brings support for its argument from the words of the Alter Rebbe and Tanya. It is impossible to serve God without first repenting for the past. The negative inclination has also learned Tanya and quotes it to support its argument. When we res Basically, it says that the uh, evil inclination, negative inclination, that's a new name for evil inclination in this booklet. Yeah. Um, the, the, the evil inclination tells you, don't you have to do tshuva first before you move on? You have to repent. I didn't repent, I cannot move on. Then, first I, I, I get stuck. I say, I have to repent. Because I don't repent, you know, there is a story about a chosid who, over the years I told the story many times. A chosid was uh, going to his rabbi every year, traveling to visit his rabbi, every holidays, whatever it was. One year he thought to himself, oh, I can't, I can't go to see the rabbi. I wasn't a good Jew this year. I didn't daven enough, I didn't learn enough. The Rebbe would give one look at me, he would ask me, no, what you did? He'd look at my face and say, oh, you, shame on you. I'll stay home. Took a while to find the class. Really? So long? Took 20 minutes? That's 20 minutes. I just thought. Um, he, tells them, he tells to himself, I'll stay this year home. I'll become a better Jew. Next year, I'll go. 
Next year, I'll go to the Rebbe. I'll be ready. The next year passes. If he didn't go to his Rebbe, he didn't become a better Jew, obviously. He became a little worse. Hmm. He thinks, so oh, now I'll go. Even worse. Next year, next year, I'll be a better Next year and next year. Ten years passed. Hmm. After ten years, he thinks to himself, one day he looks at himself in the mirror and says, I became a goy. I better go to the Rebbe. Maybe he will save me. He travels to the Rebbe no matter what. He walks into the Rebbe's office. It's a Hasidic story from Poland. He gives one look of him, the Rebbe, and the stood the whole. Hasidic Rebbe's, they were like number one good psychologist. They gave one look at him. He said, he knew right away what went through in his mind. He tells him, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> he tells the Hasid, I'll tell you a story. The story is, he says, once was two brothers, two brothers. One had a family, he was successful. The other brother was single and never had a family. He was always upset and miserable. And he was always angry with the brother who has a family that they never did good enough for him. He never took, him, he never took care of him, he never this, he never that. One day, the guy who has a family is marrying off his first child. The only relative that he has is his brother, the Meshuggah brother who is angry with him. And he wants his brother to come to the wedding, but his brother doesn't want to come. His brother decides now he's going to take revenge on him. I'm not coming to the wedding. I'm not coming to the wedding. You're never nice to me. You put me down always. I'm not coming to the wedding. We were children. You were this. I was this. Your ma my ma ma mommy loved you more than me. You know, these things go. Okay. And, he, and no matter what he's doing, he's apologizing. He'll give you money. He'll give you this. I'll invite you. Garnished. No, he finished. And just to make sure that he doesn't want to go to the wedding, he treated himself to a good meal, yeah. the other brother. And, and he lives two blocks away. It's not like he lives on the other side of the world. And he, put, he, got, he got in pajamas. He's going to sleep to make sure he doesn't want to go to the wedding. The other brother is in, the, in this wedding hall. Everybody is happy. People come and give him hands and this. But the, one of the band group, the klezmer, saw that this guy, is not the, the father of the bride is not happy. He comes over to him and says, tell me, what's the problem? I see you're not happy. He says, no, everything is good. He says, no, 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 tell me what's the problem. He doesn't, he doesn't judge. He says, I have a brother, the only brother I have in the world. I have no parents, I have no other family. I want him to come to my wedding. And my only brother who lives two blocks away he doesn't want to come to my wedding. It kills me. He says, I'll do it. He was playing on a violin. He went there. He started, he went beside, underneath the, underneath the, behind the window, and he started to play. And he plays, and he plays, and the guy lays in, this brother lays in bed, and here somebody's playing. Looks in the window, thinks to himself, now I have everything. I had a meal, I have even somebody playing for me. Great! And the guy, when he looks in the window, he said, can you let me in? It's cold outside. I need somebody, I need a place to stay. Would you mind to let me in? He opens the door. It's a Jewish guy, he lets him in. And he plays for him. And the guy, he was an unbelievable violinist. He, play, he captured them, he like mesmerized them. And as he saw that he's completely there, he started to walk outside. Start to walk out, and this guy's going after him with his pajamas, yeah. and he's walking out, and he's, <clears throat> and then he pulls him all the way into the hall, and then he like, 
In pajamas. His, his, his brother runs in, gives him a big hug, he tells him, my dear brother, I invited you. I want you to come like a, with a your tuxedo. You came with your pajamas, but you came anyway. The Rebbe looks at this chassi and told him, you were able to come with the tuxedo if you come every year. Now you showed up with your pajamas, but you came. Then the idea is, our evil inclination tells us, oh, I'm not good enough, therefore I will not do this. How can I consider myself a good Jew if I didn't do A, B, and C? Therefore, what I'm going to go to Kippur to show, I wasn't there a whole year, I wasn't a good person, I wasn't this. I, I cannot go to Kippur to show, I'll go next year. Next year I'll be a better Jew, I'll go next year. That's what the Rebbe is talking about. That people say, oh, I'm not good enough to start something new. Okay. Continue. When we respond that the order in divine service is first to observe the code of Jewish law and only then to study Tanya, the negative inclination opens the altar Rebbe's code of Jewish law to the section of the laws of Torah study and points to the line, all the Torah and mitzvot a person observes while he is wicked add energy to the negative force. Basically, he brings it to himself proofs that until he doesn't do tshuva, he cannot be better. Okay, we'll go to... Uh, skip source number one. Go to the Rebbe. Rebbe. The aim of negative <laughs> argument is to prevent us from uh, practical divine service. The negative inclination has only one job, the evil inclination. To make us not do something. To this end... Oh, you're so holy, you're so righteous. That's what he's doing. To this end, it uses various arguments, such as that first... We must concentrate on uh, repenting. Act. The goal is that we should uh, we shouldn't do the things we need to do now. And I'll tell you, it's going on in the very religious communities. People start to do. Somebody's trying to. I'll give you an example. You try to decide to let's say to keep to buy kosher meat. Right away, your family tells you, "Oh, you're so holy. You're you're an hypocrite, right? You anyway don't do A, B, C, and D. Then when suddenly you become holy, or you." Are you going to Torah classes? You became so holy. But yesterday you went to do this, and tomorrow you're going to do this? Then right away, they push you down. And this cause the evil inclination can dress himself up with another person or can in, be in you. There's always the person who will tell you, who will tell you, why are you trying to, why are you making yourself better than all of us? Oh, you cannot come to the break the fast until 8 o'clock, because the fest is not over until 8, but, but you, you were not there for every Shabbat, you're not going to synagogue, and Rosh Hashanah, you do this, and this, you do this, and... Oh, that happens all the time. That's what I'm saying. That's all comes to the... Okay. It's a brilliant strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Create a new e every day. Yeah. The lesson we learned from the Torah portion of the Rishit Andrews is this very point. We must now no. <clears throat> that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This means that our personal existence and the existence of the world as a whole is being renewed right now by God. Every minute the world is being renewed again. Renewed again. It's not that God created once the world and it's standing. God is constantly giving life to the world. Just like an inflatable, the moment you pull it out of the electricity, the whole thing collapses. 
if you don't give it life every second, electricity, it disappears. Just like a uh, computer, just unlike everything today. Today, the examples are endless. It's constantly, you have to give it life. If you, it's not like a building that stands and, it's, and you don't have to change it. It's God created the world in such a way that he has to renew it every second. He could create it in a way that he created it once and he walks away from it. He could. But he chose to create the world in a way that he constantly gives life to it. Then every minute we are new people. And that's why and a baby, why you can look at a baby a lot? You saw him a minute ago, and again, you just saw him. Because the, the, why you cannot look at adults so much? <laughs> I'll tell you. Huh? Getting old. <laughs> no, because a baby, the, the spark of God, is neshome shines out. And the neshome, it's, it's all anew, it's constantly. But by adult, we covered up with a little scenes, we make a little. We cover this up. The stains are covering up. But in essence, everything in the world is being renewed every second. That's what he's talking about. Go ahead. He renews in his goodness the act of creation every day. Continuously. The Baal Shem Tov. Continuously. That's the word. The Baal Shem Tov teaches. That, uh, at every moment, creation is renewed for absolute nothingness. We are therefore instructed to carry out as a new world without considering our previous state. Because at this moment, our, exist, our existence and the existence of the entire world has been created anew from nothingness. From nothingness. It means to say God created the world from nothing, right? Something from nothing. Before God created the world, there was nothing here. There was nothing here. Then God created the world, something from nothing. That every minute, what I did yesterday, maybe, babe, maybe was bad. Doesn't make a difference. I'm a new person this second. Then as a new person, I should do the right thing. I shouldn't, because yesterday I was wrong, therefore I should not do something today. I am being renewed again, and I start a new page. The idea is a person should have the strength to start a new page every minute, no matter what happened yesterday. Sorry, sorry. Interior, quick question. So we should have the we should have the strength. I understand that. And do we have God's permission to have the strength? Yes, you should have the st the strength to start all over again, no matter what happened. No matter what happened, I could I have a chance. As long as God gives me life, it gives me life means it, it, it creates me anew. Then there is a, a new world. You have to think about that. You're like you're just now created. You're Adam and Eve all over again. You just created. You were just born. Whatever happened yesterday happened yesterday. We'll deal with that one day. But from now on, you have to move forward. I know there was a Hasidic Jew. He, came to, he was in his youth. He was uh, not so Hasidic. And when he became, he, he, be, he was about Tshuva. He, he back, came back to Judaism. He, he was raised religious. Then he became not religious. And one day he came to the Rebbe and he said he, he, wants, a bless, he wants a pet to do Tshuva, to repent. A pet for our, to our repenting for the sins. The Rebbe told them, you should serve God with joy, and when the time will come, we'll talk about that. The time never came. Yes. You understand? Because the whole idea was, move on. Just move on. 
by Hasidim, you're not busy with them. The past is just there to tie you down, to pull you down. Think about that. Every time all this, you start to remember, you start to feel guilty, and you start to feel bad for yourself, and you got to get depressed. It's, nothing good comes out of it. Look forward. Start to do from now on. Really what tshuva means. Tshuva means changing the, my act from now and forward. It's like you get lo got lost on, on the highway. The moment you make a U-turn, that's tshuva. You're in the right direction. Then instead of being busy with the past, move forward. The Rebbe was never busy with the past. The Rebbe almost never spoke about the Holocaust. For many reasons. But I think one of the reasons is not to be busy with the past. It's all about the future. That's my never humble opinion. He didn't tell me that, but that's my never humble opinion. Okay. I, I don't think don't you think that the Rebbe never forgot the past? He didn't forget. But, but he didn't act because, on it. Because it's all about telling the people what we have to do today and tomorrow. Being busy with the past is just dragging you down. Let's say talking about the Holocaust. Get you depressed. Where are you going with that? Nowhere. We have to build up the Jewish people, get them excited, and move on. And build a, build a uh, bright future. Okay. Reaction ex on Elon. Source two. Shara Yechud. from the book of the Tanya. It is written. Creation and ex It is written forever, God, O God. Your word stands firm in heaven. There is a verse in the Bible that says, Forever your word stands firm in the heavens. God's word stands in the heavens. What does this mean? That the Baal Shem Tov, go ahead. The Baal Shem Tov. The blessed memory explains that in your world which you uttered, that there be firmament in the midst of the, of the waters. These words and letters stand firmly forever within the firmament of heaven and are forever invested within all the in heaven, all the heavens, to give them life as it's written. It is the word of our, our Lord shall stand firm forever, and it like and it is likewise written. And his words live and stand firm. Okay, I'll tell you what he says here. What he says here is like this. God created the world with, a, with statements, right? God said, let there be light. Let there be this, right? The world's created. Then God didn't create the world once, and that's it. These words of God are constantly standing still, constantly going on. It means to say constantly re renewing the world, constantly creating the world every second. That's what he says here. It's not like God created the world 5,783 years ago. God is creating the world every second. Until now. And tomorrow. And the day after tomorrow. For, For if the creative letters were in the... Uh, to depart. depart. Even if for an instant, God forbid, and return to their source, all the heavens would become naught, an absolute nothingness. It would be... <clears throat> Though that they had never existed at all, exactly before the utterance, let there be a firmament, and it, it and it, so it sh will be all created things, all in the upper and lower worlds, and even in the physical earth, and the realm of the completely in in inanimate, if the letters of the ten utterance by the which that the earth was created during the six days of creation were to depart from it, but to an instance, God forbid, it would revert to a not, an absolute nothingness, exactly 
It means to say, God, if God wants to destroy the world, he doesn't have to bring tractors. He doesn't have to burn down the world. He just can pull the plug and everything disappears because he constantly gives life to the world. That's what, that's what it really says. That means God didn't create the world six days of creation once upon a time and retire to Florida. There is every, that's why every week we start again from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yom Rishon, Yom Shani, the way God created the world. Because God creates the world again and again and again and again and again. Every minute is creating the world. And that's what he's saying here. Continue. This provides the answer to the heretics and exposes the roots of the error of their denial of individual divine providence and the signs and the miracles recorded in the Torah. They err in the false analogy in comparing the work of God, the creator of heaven and earth, to the work of man and his descendants. When a silversmith has a completed has completed a vessel, that vessel is no longer dependent upon the hands of the smith. And even when the hands are removed from it and he goes his way, the vessel remains in exactly the same image and form as when it left the hands of the smith. These fools conceive the creation of heaven and earth in the same way. They see, just like a, um, a silversmith or a guy who makes furniture, anybody, you, you make something, you did it, you walk away. They think that God is the same thing. He creates something, he did it, he's walking away. Continue, however. However, their eyes, their eyes are blinded from seeing the great difference between the work of a man and his mechanics. Machinations. Human work consists of making one existing thing out of another. Already existing thing, merely changing the form and appearance. Example, from an ingot of silver to a vessel. However, God's creation of heaven and earth is mm. creation it means the person, you take one material, you turn this around, you switch it, you switch it, the, the, the shape of the material, but you didn't create it from nothing. Therefore, you take the material studio was here before you and will be after you. You just change, change the shape. Where God created the something from nothing, that this something from nothing is, is constantly, you cannot compare it to anything that human beings are doing. And God chose to do the something for nothing in a way that he will constantly give it life. Continue. Creation, excellent needle. Creation of... Excellent right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creation, excellent something out of nothing. Must be a capital C. Uh, yeah. Cre creation, excellent is even more wondrous than, for example, the splitting of the Red Sea. Then God drove back the sea by a strong east wind all the night. And the waters were split and stood upright as a wall. If God had stopped the wind, the waters would have instantly flowed downward, as is their nature. And they certainly would not have stood upright like a wall. In fact, the nature of water to flow downward is itself newly created ex nihilo. For a stone wall stands erect by itself without the assistance of the wind. But the nature of the water is not so. It means to say like this, right? In the splitting of the, of, the, of the sea, the water stood like a wall. Now, water's nature is not to stand like a wall. Water's nature is to flow down. 
The nature of a wall is stand, stand straight. Then God only when he had to change the nature of something in the world. He had to keep holding it, keep going, keep moving with the, with the wind. How much more, it's not only changing the nature of something. It's, it's creating something for nothing. The way, the way God did it was that he, he needs to give it life constantly. That's what he wants to make. Go ahead, you want to continue, please? How much more so is it in the creation of something out of nothing, nothing which uh, transcends nature and uh, is far more miraculous than the splitting of the Red Sea? Surely with, with the withdrawal of the power of the Creator from the thing created, God forbid the uh, created being would revert to naught and utter non-existence. Rather, that um, activating force of the Creator must continuously be present in it. Nothing uh, in the thing created to give it life and ongoing existence. Ongoing existence. It means to say, if to keep the water standing, you need it constantly, the wind to keep the water standing at the splitting of the sea, how much more when you create something from nothing that God constantly has to give it life? So, so in the case of your example, we have to keep inflating the tent. Yes. Okay, so the inflation stops. The tent collapses. But in our world, from what we see as people, the tent is still there. But because I, but, the tent existed before. Yes, but when, but when God says, I'm not renewing, does that mean the tent isn't there? We're not. Nothing here. is there. Nothing. It goes, Everything is, goes it's just, this is just an example. Just like you pull the plug, the expression pull the plug is the best expression. You pull the plug over the computer, the sc- everything that's on the screen disappears. Right. That means to say, it's gone. Whatever you created through the plug is gone. So this is empty, void. Everything will disappear. Nothing will be left. So humans, we exist because we're continuously having a heartbeat. God is letting our heartbeat on. Yes, as yes. Soon as God decides that we are no longer going to be in existence, our heart stops beating. Our heart stops beating, but still the body is there. Eventually, the body will also disappear right. because it so just takes longer. Right. But the idea is, you're right, God, as long as God gives it life to the body, to the chair, to the table, then it disappears. Now, if God, if God would not give life to the whole world, the moment he stops giving it life, the whole thing is gone, disappears. Nothing is left. It's not like you have to let them bring somebody to clean it up. Everything will be gone. Go ahead. So, so then we're not. From, so then we're not from nothing because we don't immediately disappear. No, we, God shows that the body should be also should body should have more sustainable sustainability than the soul. I mean, the soul and the body. What happens when a person dies? It just separates. Nothing disappears. The physical body stopped to be alive, but the soul that gave life to the body is in one place, and the body is another place. The connection is disappearing. The soul is actually staying forever because the soul is a part of God. And God is, is forever. The soul is forever. The body is the one that's the beginning of deterioration of the body is when the person dies. And it takes years, but eventually all of this. But the point is, what, our all existence is because God constantly keeps us going. The moment he will just cease from keeping us going, everything will be gone. He doesn't have to do. We are not independent realities. 
not us, not the world, not anything. If you look in the microscope, you see how everything moves, moving, everything is, everything is alive. The moment the life is gone, everything is gone. Nobody is independent, that's the bottom line. Okay, we can skip the next one. What? what, what? Read it through, there's a typo in there. Okay, then read it. Please. And the Balsham talk yeah. explained that your word, uh, which you uttered, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, are the very words and letters through which the heavens were created, stand firmly forever within the firmament of heaven to give them life. Where's the mistake? Are the very words and letters through which the heavens were created stand firmly to forever? What, there's something in that. I'll, I'll work it out later. Okay, <laughs> tell, tell me, I'll tell them. Okay, now we'll continue. Rebbe, don't get stuck in the past. The past does indeed need to be remembered in order to fix it. But this is a separate matter, relevant for them. The person makes an honest accounting of himself during the bedtime schema, etc. But at all other times, a person must carry out uh, his practical divine service without considering his previous state, because all the existence is renewed at every moment from nothing. Put simply, in order to draw the intellect down into the emotions, he must put on the tefillin, uh, literally. The archives, the this archives uh, the infusion of intellect into emotions in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm, harnessing the heart, and mind of divine service. The same applies, same applies the literal observance of all the other mitzvot, each at their scheduled time. Regarding influences others too, practical action is the main thing. We must influence our fellows without considering whether we're personally in such a state that makes this work of influencing them. Basically, you have to do what you're supposed to do. You can do it to yourself. Who am I to tell? Camel out to do a mitzvah, well, I'm better than them. I'm also bad. And therefore, I shouldn't tell you what to do. The rabbi says, no, you have to do, you have to do. Well, you have to become a better person, that's nice. At night, you walk on it. But it shouldn't stop you, <laughs> shouldn't stop you from doing something productive. What you're supposed to do. Because people say, who am, I, who am I to say something? Right in America, everybody's busy. Who am I to say something? What do you mean, who am I? Meanwhile, you let everybody to, be, to behave wrong. You see a, a, a teenager behaving like an idiot. Sometimes it happens, right? <laughs> and everybody's sitting around the table and nobody says a word. No. Nobody says a word. And you can't believe it. I was seeing Simchas Torah here and the, one child was running here and jumping off the, the edge. And I saw my daughter standing there. I was so upset. I told her, how you let him do this? He's, he's, he's a wild child. Why do you care he's a wild child? I'll throw him out of here. What do you mean he's a wild What do you mean you say you let him jump off the roof and, and you say nothing? What is this? The, then this, where it's coming, well, I'm better. I'm also not so perfect. That who am I to say that he's not good enough? And that's how society goes, gets worse and worse and worse. That's all comes from the evil inclination. Then the Rebbe says, Bereshit means it's a new world, it's a new minute. You have to start anew. It doesn't make a difference what happened yesterday. Because yesterday I was, not, I was not nice to my wife, I should continue to be. If not, if I'm nicer to, to you today, I'm an hypocrite. Hmm. Whatever yesterday is yesterday. Today I'm a nice guy. I try, I'll try to be a nice guy. I promise, I'll try. 
Yeah, the garage is really cold. But, but the wife remembers what was yesterday. So. That's your problem. The wife, the wife never a level on spiritual levels, but in a physical, whatever we know what time is today, this is the world that was created 5,783 years ago. There was nothing before that. Continue. Acting without considering the past. In previous generations, there was a process of first adorn yourself and then adorn others. But in our generation, my father-in-law... Adorn yourself and then adorn others means before I fix you, I better fix myself. And people tell you, and you, you're telling me that I'm not good, and you, shh, don't talk about uh, service. And you, I saw you yesterday talking, you understand? And first fix yourself before you fix others. That was the natural way in Judaism. But, continue, I'm sorry. But in our generation, my father-in-law, the Rebbe, instructed us that all of us must influence others. He quoted the teaching of his father, the Rebbe Rishab, that our current divine service must be in the mode of garb and eat, grab and drink. When we have an opportunity to influence someone else to observe a single mitzvah, we must grab the opportunity and act on it without considering whether we are indeed worthy of it. Oh, I'm worthy to tell him. You have an opportunity to do something. We don't have time. Moshiach has to come. We have to do whatever we can do. All these calculations do not have place. Continue. This is the basic lesson derived from the Torah portion of Bereshit, the renewing of all existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This teaches us that we must take action without any consideration of our previous state. Exactly. Okay, now we have an, a, a message from, from Bereshit. Every minute the world starts again. Noah. Constant joy. The Rebbe, the flood generated pleasure. Following the general lesson derived from the portion of Bereshit, there is the general lesson derived from the portion of Noah. The word Noah means pleasure. In our divine service, this means that we need to serve with pleasure and joy. What does this mean? What happened really? What, why is he called Noah? Why is his name Noah? Why the name Noah? What's Noah means, you know? It says pleasure. It, it says pleasure. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what is Noah? Nechama. Nechama. Comfort. 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 Nechoma Velim. To comfort. Nachamu, you, you Shabbos, Barshas Nachamu, Shabbos Nachamu, right? Nachamu, why, why is Noach named a name like his comfort? When he was, he, he started to create tools how to deal with the, with the, with the how, how to walk the earth. That's why the, how to plow. That, that's why they call him, they called him Noach because he brought comfort to the world. It was a very hard world before him. He made wine, right? That's why. That's later. <laughs> that he gave, he, they, he gave himself comfort. <laughs> But and he also, ah, but also the the up the and the flood and the and the level of the flood, the flood. You know why why God had to bring God wanted to destroy the world was a bad world, right? Why he chose to do it with water? He had many ways to do it. Why water? You can make a little earthquake and all fell into it and be done with it. Why forty days of a flood? Why it's it so complicated? Because water, you know, God wanted to take the world to the mikveh. A mikveh is 40 cubits. The, the flood was 40 days. God washed the world up and cleaned it up and purified them. 
Then after the floor that was a pleasant world that became an all new world, because the world before was so corrupted and so evil, that they had to start a new world. But the name Noah means pleasure, comfort, goodness. It was a lesson, go ahead. The flood generated pleasure. The absolute imperative of joy and pleasure can be understood based on the teaching of Tanya that the verse speaks clearly. Punishment will be administered because you didn't serve your God with joy. And there is Al's commentary on this verse is well known. Maimonides also explained the great importance of divine service with joy. We have to serve God, not enough to serve God. We have to serve God with joy. It's like you tell your child, you'll do it, and you'll do it with a smile. And you'll like it. <laughs> you'll like it. <laughs> Why we have to serve God with joy? Read it. The following must be known as a cardinal principle. To achieve victory over a physical opponent, such as in the case of two people wrestling each other, if one of them is lazy and sluggish, he will be easily defeated and will fall, even if he is stronger than the other. Likewise, concerning the conquest of one's evil nature, it is impossible to conquer the evil nature with laziness and sluggishness, which stem from sadness and a stone-like dullness of the heart, but rather with alacrity, which derives from joy and open heart that is unblemished by any trace of worry and sadness in the world. Okay, then, you know, we see in the war now, in the world between Ukraine and Russia, one is very excited about fighting for the Romans. The other army is not excited at all. You see who is winning. You understand? Because to fight, fight your evil inclination, you have to be excited about it. You have to serve God. If you don't serve God with joy, you're going like this. You'll never win this. You're never going to. We don't need, just like this, we'll never, we'll never continue the Judaism to the next generation. You know, there was an old saying, it's hard to be a Jew. Whoever said that, his kids were never religious. If you have gone around the whole day and say, it's so hard to be a Jew, oi, oi, it's so expensive, it's so this, it walks out in the wrong time, the holidays are never on time, they are too early, they are too late, they are never on time. Your kids will not be bothered, will not bother. You have to be excited about your Judaism. That's what, the, that's what it says. The serving of God has to be with joy, with excitement. God gives us an opportunity to be a part of Him. To, be a, to have a relationship with them, to have a connection. Judaism is the most exciting uh, service of God, the most exciting religion. Then it's all about discovering it. That's what he says. If you don't serve God with joy, this is a quote from the, from the Tochacha. The Tochacha is the curses when it comes to God is punishing the Jewish people. It's written in, in Deuteronomy. It says, why is all this coming? Not because you didn't serve God. We didn't serve God with joy because if you are not excited about it, what does this show? You're not really want it. You don't really want it. You understand? You don't really appreciate what's there. If you would understand what it is, you would be very excited about it. A Jew should wake up in the morning and remember that he's Jewish. He should jump out of bed. What do you know? How, what's the best proof? Can you imagine somebody comes and tells you, you know, it just checked out. You're not Jewish. Don't worry. You don't have to fast on your keeper. You don't have to do anything. Life is good. Don't get depressed. Uh, why? But it's so hard to be a Jew. Ah, you love it. It's just a matter of living it. Then that's, and when we're excited about our Judaism, it goes to our children. That's what the important thing is. That's what he's saying. Furthermore, Furthermore, the verse states explicitly, because you did not serve your God with your Lord with joy, the punishment described in the ensuing verse will be yeah. administered, God forbid, and everyone is familiar with the explanation of the Yeah, 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 yeah. We all explain, we understand. Go ahead. <laughs> Source 4. 
the happiness with which a person should rejoice in the fulfillment of the mitzvahs and the love of God who commanded them is a great service. Whoever holds himself back from this rejoicing is worthy of retribution, as it states, because you did not serve God, your Lord, with happiness and a glad heart. The joy is an indication if you really appreciate what you, if you really want to do it. But did Noah really serve God with joy? I mean, he took a long Noah. time to build the ark. He didn't, he didn't recruit anybody to come on it. He Obviously, was, when he was drinking, he was probably <laughs> joyful. But he, 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 he... It's not about Noah. It's about the generation. After the, the flood, it came joy to the world. That's what it is. It's not about them. He said that this way or this way. Continue. It's very different considering that everybody was around them, surrounding his people, all, everybody is wicked. So You're he, right. By, by he, you want them he, to have joy before the flood. It was not a joyful experience, mm. no matter how you look of it. Not the building dark, not, not the evilness of the world. Nothing was joyful, though. But in theory, was he... Was he, was he considered a Jew? No, it was before Jews existed. Right, before Judaism. It was before Jew, Jewish people existed. Right. But he was a righteous person. Yeah. That's what God says he was a ish tzaddik, he was a righteous person. At the, that time. Yeah, at that time. <laughs> <laughs> he cannot, he cannot yeah. give him any, any, any injects. No? <laughs> yeah. For, for the time, I'm sure he was fantastic. Yeah. The first Jew was Abraham. Abraham was yeah, a whole right. different story. So, so Noah. But he was a good guy. Believe yeah. me, I wish we would have a few Noahs around. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> you're, you're much better than Noah. <laughs> Continue. Bring new, being new and happy. This order of the portions is Bereshit. <laughs> this order of the Bereshit. Yeah, yeah, this order. No, no, we just read it. We must first know that our divine service must be carried out like new, gracious, in the beginning, irrespective of our previous state, because our existence and the existence of all creation has just been renewed from absolute nothingness. We are then told that our service must be with pleasure and joy. Noah, a cardinal principle of divine service. Then do, number one... Don't, don't be busy with the past. Number two, when you do it, do it with a happy a smile. Don't go around like the whole world is and you're with a long face, oi, 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 oi. Be excited about your service of God. That's Noah. Now comes Lech Lecha. Duplik. Tell us what Lech Lecha means. Uh, keep moving forward. Don't become complacent. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Then we have a great lesson derived from the portion of Lech Lecha. Even when our divine service is fresh and new, bless it and carry it out with joy and pleasure, Noah. We can't be satisfied with our current state. We must continue to advance. Lech lech. Lech lecha. Lech lecha. Go for yourself. Um, you see, the name of Parsha Lech lecha, the first thing God told Abraham, Lech lecha means go, go forward. The first time God spoke to Abraham, he told him Lech Lecha. The last time God spoke to Abraham was Lech Lecha too. When he told him, the last, when was the last time God spoke to Abraham? What do you think? Not the same, not the, the Akedah. The Akedah. Yeah, he told them, when he, the last time God spoke to Abraham is to, about sacrificing his son, Isaac. That the language he used, the same thing, Lech Lecha Eleretz Moriah, go to the land of Moriah, to the Mount Moriah, to the, where the Temple Mount is. He told them the same word, Lech Lecha. Then Lech Lecha 
is the message to the Jewish people. The first time he spoke to Abraham, the last time he spoke to Abraham, was Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha means go forward. Continue. I'm sorry. Duplik. This must be true. Going to an uh, incomparably different position than our previous state. Move forward. In, in almost like escape. You have to go to a much higher level. The negative inclination to argue to us. Why think now? tomorrow's work. That tomorrow you must reach in um, incomparably greater heights. Tomorrow creation will be renewed as the Belsham Tov teaches. And then you can think about tomorrow's work. At the moment you fully invested in today's work in accordance with your current state. Yeah, let's say, it says, I'm busy, I'm busy today. You're telling me already I should think about plan, make plans for tomorrow to be a better Jew. Enough today, tomorrow, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Lech Lecho says you have to think right away about forward, going forward. What you did, what I did yesterday is not enough for today. What I do today will not be enough for tomorrow. You know which, which mitzvah teaches us this thing? Which holiday teaches us that every day you have to go? Any other holiday? When you, when you, which holiday you, you grow in your mitzvah? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. The first day was enough for one candle. The second day, two candles. By the third day, two candles is not enough. I, I, I did already two candles. What do you want from me? Every day we have to go higher. That's the lesson from Lech Lecha. It means to say today's walk is not completed only when I know that I didn't finish the job. I know that today was not enough. I have to do my maximum, but for tomorrow it's as a go further. Go ahead. As a result, today's work is not done with a feeling of complacent, but with the aspiration and preparation to reach a higher level. Okay, Danny, you want to finish it? We want joy and progress. You know what this is reminding me? There is, there is a video that Homeland Security did. You, you see it, it's a good video to watch. If, some, if a, there is a terror attack, then they have, they have three rules. Run, hide, fight. The first thing you should do, try to run away. If you cannot run away, hide. Hide yourself in a, in a, in a room and cover yourself up. If you cannot hide, fight. Here is also three rules. Bereishis noach lech lecha. But here is not one without the other. Bereishis means don't think about yesterday. Start to do today. Wake up in the morning. Forget about yesterday. Whatever happens yesterday is old news. Don't bother any, yourself and anybody else with your yesterday's stories. Start today and go forward. Noach means do it with joy. Lech lecha, always look forward. If we have these three lessons, 
This is the three days of the first three parshas of the Torah. With this, we can move on for the rest of the year. If you, have, you wake up in the morning, you have in this thing, three things in the mind, you know, people come and say, you know, people tell me, you know, I did this, this and this mitzvah, I was involved with Israel. I, he says it with so much enthusiasm, I think it was last week, I said, when was it? 1967. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? Everybody is busy with this history. The over 50 years, he did three good things. Today, what I care? I, what, what happened yesterday doesn't make a difference. You might do the best. You might do the best thing in the world. Today, God gives me another day. I need to do new things, and I have to be do be excited about it. And I do have to think that tomorrow I have to be even better. Thank you for joining. Wow.